In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Glad to see you all here despite the rain. Uh, you braved the rain and came. God bless you. Um, I mentioned last time that on the first Sunday of every month I would do uh, a small teaching from our Know Your Faith presentations that I was doing in the hall. And because we have other things happening, new programs were starting during the coffee hour, uh, I thought I would offer these, as I said, during the sermons, but just on the first Sunday of the month. And it's hard to believe, but it's already December. So here we are, the first Sunday of the month, first Sunday of December. And the gospel reading is a very moving one um, because it shows how much Christ cares for everyone. Even this beggar, on the, a blind beggar on the side of the road. Everyone was telling him to be quiet, be quiet. You're not important right now. But he persisted. And that shows us that we need to persist. And we need to have faith as he did. Because when we do, and when we cry out to Christ, what does he do? It said very in a couple of, just in a couple of words, and Jesus stopped. And Jesus stopped. Christ is the Lord of the universe. But when you pray to him with faith, out of all the millions and billions of people, he will stop for you. He will take care of you. Because you're important, just as that blind beggar was important. Now the topic I wanted to talk about is related to prayer, but it's what we're doing right now during the nativity, and that is fasting. I want to talk about fasting, because it's a conversation I have a lot with many people uh, and with many of you. So I just wanted to just share a little bit of uh, the teachings of the faith of the church about fasting. What, first of all, two things, why do we fast? Why? That's really important. Why do we fast? And the second thing I want to touch on is how? How do we fast? Why do we fast? Fasting is a very ancient practice. It goes back to the time of the Old Testament. The Hebrews were commanded to fast. And there is an example of fasting in the Old Testament that is perhaps the greatest, and that is the fasting of Moses. In the book of Exodus, Moses says, it said that Moses fasted. He was called to go and uh, have an encounter with God on Mount Sinai, Sinai. And as he was there, he fasted for 40 days, drinking no water and eating nothing. That's fasting in the strict sense. No food, no water. Now what happened at the end of that fasting period? Moses had an encounter with God. He spoke to God himself. He saw the divine 
uncreated light. It transformed him when he came back down from the mountain holding the Ten Commandments. His face was so bright because it still had the light of God. The people could not look at him. And they had to put a veil on his face so that he could be around the people. You see the connection with fasting. It led to a, an encounter. It, it prepared him to be in the presence of God. Okay? Another example from the scriptures is John the Baptist. Now in the New Testament, we hear that the Baptist lived in the desert. He's the first monk. He lived in the desert and he ate nothing except wild honey. And the translation is locusts, which are, you know, bugs. But there is some question about that. It wasn't actually locusts, but a certain kind of plant. Perhaps a wrong translation of the Greek. Um, some of you who know Greek better than I might research that. But I doubt he was eating bugs. Was he was Acridis. Yes. What are they? Acridis. Acridis. They jump. Yeah. But there, again, it's not, we're not sure that he was actually eating locusts, but there was something else, uh, more like some kind of plants in, that grew in the deserts. Anyway, also somebody very ascetical, somebody who fasted and prayed. And what did he get to experience at, all, at the end of a life of fasting? The Holy Trinity. He heard the voice of the Father. He saw the Holy Spirit descend. And he saw the Lamb of God. He saw Christ. That's what he was preparing for his whole life. A third and final example, and the greatest, is Christ himself, who fasted for 40 days. Why did Christ need to fast? He's God. He was sinless. Why did he need to fast? He's still in a human body. And to give us an example of what fasting can do. Because what happens after the 40 days of fasting for Christ? Who comes to him? You remember the story? The devil. The devil himself. Not the demons that he could, the devil could have sent, but the devil himself, Lucifer, comes and fights and attacks Christ, of course, with temptations. Having fasted for 40 days and being full of the Holy Spirit because he's God, he's able to destroy and stop and repel the devil himself. Again, fasting. This gives us a sense of why we fast. There is a reason, and it is, to gain control, to gain strength, and to have a spiritual encounter, to have a spiritual experience that is possible for everyone who fasts correctly. Now, How do we fast? Here's the question. We understand why we fast. How we fast is related to why we fast. Because there's some misunderstanding. First of all, fasting helps us to have self-control. 
If I can control my stomach, which is very powerful, right? Our stomachs are very powerful. They, they're hungry. They let us know, I'm hungry, feed me. I want food now. And we stop everything we're doing just to eat something. Very, they control us, right? Or uh, we have certain tastes, certain things we like. And our, and our stomach says, I want to eat that. I'm not satisfied with just this bread and beans. I want a steak. And so our stomachs tell us, our mind tells us, enjoy this, have that, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. We are controlled by these desires. Can we be honest about that, all of us, and myself included? Yes. Fasting gives us an opportunity to say no. I'm in control, not the stomach or my taste buds. I'm going to say what I'm going to choose and what I'm not going to eat. I'm going to deny myself. Why should I deny myself? Don't I deserve to have good things? Don't I deserve to eat nice things? Yes, but not all the time. There's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. When we do both, we live a balanced life. If we're always feasting and being gluttons and gorging ourselves, satisfying the flesh, our bodies are happy, but our souls are not happy. Our souls are starving. That's why St. Basil says, fasting is food for the soul. So I have to nourish my soul as well as my body. So as I'm denying myself, and by the way, that's also the words of Christ. He says, he who wishes to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. This principle of self-denial, of self-sacrifice, is at the heart, at the core of what it means to be a Christian. I have to live my life not just for myself, continually just pleasing myself. I have to live my life for others. That is the characteristic of a Christian. Just as Christ did. He came and lived and died, not for himself, but for you and me. So fasting puts us in that state of mind of self-sacrifice. Now, fasting is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because if it's done incorrectly, you just end up really grouchy and irritable and hungry and um, angry and uh, even upset that you have to fast. The right way to approach fasting is with the intent of giving this to God in humility and in obedience to the church. In other words, the church, the whole universal orthodox church says we are fasting now from November 15th through December 25th. The church, millions of orthodox Christians are saying we are fasting now. Let's do this together. I join myself to that in obedience. 
not because, uh, because I want to be part of the church, of the mind and practice of the church. So I'm joining myself to that. Now, how the level of my fasting will differ for every person. Not everyone can do a very strict fast. And so now I, I want to touch on how to fast. There are many different ways of fasting. And there are some conf there's still some confusion about uh, the, the weekly fast, the Eucharistic fast, and the longer fasting period. We fast every Wednesday and Friday from meat, dairy, fish, wine, and oil. That's a strict, strict fast. Every Wednesday and every Friday. Why? Wednesday, because that's the day Christ was betrayed. Friday, because that's the day he's crucified. We remember those events every week. So they, not just once a year, but every week. So that we stay in the mind of the church. So that what happened back then is always present and near to us today. That fasting has nothing to do with the fasting and preparation for Holy Communion. That's a big misunderstanding. I should do that fast even if I'm not going to take communion or even if I am going to take communion. You, that is just a fast that we do on its own every Wednesday, every Friday, most of the year. We fast in order to receive communion beginning on Saturday at midnight. We don't eat anything after midnight. Some people a little earlier. We never fast on Saturdays. Sundays, we, the first thing we eat is Holy Communion. Okay? That's the basic outline. And then you have the longer fasting periods, the Nativity and the Great Lent fast. If you follow the calendar of the Church for fasting, of course the Apostles fast, the Dormition fast, if you follow it, you will have fasted half the year if you add it all up. Half the year you would be fasting. I think that's substantial. I think that's enough. So again, if we are obedient to the church and we simply follow the fasting schedule of the church, we will be fasting half the year. There is a misunderstanding out there where people take it upon themselves to fast for weeks and weeks and weeks in order to prepare for Holy Communion. They do that outside of the teachings of the church. It is another custom, another tradition that was in a particular part of Greece or in a particular village. I'm not going to say that's right or wrong. All I know and all I can tell you is that is outside of what the church practices. If you want to take that on, you can. But it's not what the church is saying to do. Okay? So again, we can't make fasting something so oppressive and so difficult that we don't want to do it. And then when we don't do it, we don't go to communion. And so you keep yourself from communion because you didn't want to do a five-week-long fasting. No. You're making up your own rules. It doesn't work that way. Follow the teachings of the church. Follow the practice of the church. It says, 
This is when you fast. This is when you don't fast. Easy. Okay? Without prayer, fasting is pointless. Fasting and prayer must go together. In fact, if you fast and you don't pray enough, very quickly you will see how damaging it can be to yourself and to your family members and those around you because you'll be very irritable and very grumpy and very grouchy. But when you combine prayer and fasting, something very powerful happens. That encounter with God can happen. And you will feel better. You will not feel as hungry. You will feel lighter. You will be feeling more willing and more, uh, uh, you will enjoy praying and you will enjoy the fasting. And God will give you strength, physical strength. It's a miraculous thing that happens, that is possible. But it requires us to intensify our prayer as we are fasting. So, to conclude, fasting is a discipline. It's something that we have to do as Orthodox Christians, at least at some level. We shouldn't completely neglect it, and we shouldn't overdo it. We should find a balance that works with us, speaking with the priest. If you're unable to fast from meat and dairy, Another way you could fast, as one of the church fathers teaches, is to simply stop eating when you're still hungry. You're having your meal, you're still hungry, you stop eating. That's fasting. If you're able to, cut out meat on Wednesdays and Fridays only. That shouldn't be hard. Or, in addition to that, cut out dairy on Wednesdays and Fridays. You can take it a step further. Uh, and do the full fast for longer periods of time. Fasting also from our mouth, what we say, our thoughts, what we were thinking. Fasting from gossiping. Fasting from looking at things that we should look at. Fasting from the television. Turn off the TV. Turn off the, the smartphone. That's fasting. We're not giving something up. This is how we differ from the Roman Catholics or the Protestants. We're not giving anything up. We are freeing ourselves. Fasting is liberation. Because I'm no longer a slave to these things that control me. Whether it's the food or it's the smartphone or it's my computer or it's the hundred emails I'm getting or it's the Facebook. I'm cutting myself free from that. Why? Again, to be free, to have self-control. So I'm not pulled this way and that way constantly. And I have no peace. I have no stillness. My, th I have, my mind is racing with a million thoughts of things I have to do, people I've got to talk to. Fasting, taking time apart, controlling my body, controlling my thoughts, finding stillness. And then, only then, can you hear the voice of God? as Moses did, as John the Baptist did, and as the blind beggar in today's gospel did. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit.